Step inside the fictional bookshop, an immersive storytelling experience for readers. Explore the first chapter of your new favorite book, from epic adventures to fantastic worlds to cozy characters. After a long journey, you've reached your destination, a quaint village outside a large woods. It's late, but you're not quite ready to go to bed yet, so you wander the cobblestone streets away from your lodgings. A bright light catches your eye, a metalwork lantern hanging outside a shop. Through the mullioned windows, you can see that the shelves are stuffed full of books. So, grinning, you cross the street and head inside. A bell chimes as you cross the threshold, and a blur of fur streaks by you, which turns out to be a cat heading under the counter by the register. You nod at the shopkeeper and wander into the first aisle. You inhale the familiar scent of books, eyeing unfamiliar titles, until one jumps out at you. You slide it off the shelf, studying the beautiful dragon and rider on the cover. You notice a chair at the end of the aisle and head over, book in hand. Glad to sit after your long journey, you open up the book to read. Cyan tore into the goat carcass, a wet rip echoing through the clearing in Great Spanglewood Forest. With a grimace, Yanir couldn't help thinking of his beloved pigs at home in Montanera and what short work his dragon would make of them. Usually, he staved off thoughts like that as Cyan ate, but it had been a long day. The wind rustled the foliage of the strongwoods and elms, but didn't drown out Cyan crunching through bone. Moonlight gleamed on the white shards amid dark flesh as Cyan devoured his meal. The scent of blood jammed itself up Yanir's nostrils. Shrugging, Yanir stalked away from his feasting dragon. He strode upwind and settled on a rock near a stream. He took a heel of bread, a round of goat cheese, and a dried sausage out of his cloth bag. Sometimes he wished his companion wasn't such a noisy eater. You can't blame me, Cyan mind-melted, raising his maw from his meal. He tilted his head, his golden slitted eyes gleaming in the dark. It's been a long journey. It has. You deserve a decent meal. I'm just missing home again. Yanir broke his bread. At least his potato and walnut loaf was the way he liked it, crisp on the outside and soft in the middle. The nutty tang made his mouth water. He jammed his cheese and sausage inside the bread and took a bite. Gods, he was ravenous. You'd put any dragon to shame eating like that, Cyan teased as Yanir stuffed more into his mouth. Such a long trip just to impress the locals. It's important to meet people, Cyan replied. How can we command loyalty in a crisis if they don't know who you are? I'd rather no one knew who I was. As far as Yunir was concerned, there wasn't much point in traveling all this way for an archery tournament. Apparently, it was another one of his duties, duties he'd never suspected would be his when he'd imprinted with the majestic, sleek onyx dragon on the edge of the great Spanglewood Forest 18 moons ago. And who was he to fulfill those duties when some people had trained to go to the dragon's hold all their lives, yet never imprinted? He'd been minding his own business when a group of dragon riders had turned up in Montanera's market square and commanded all the able-bodied young men and women to assemble at the edge of the forest. Yanir had never dreamed the riderless black dragon could be his. Not that he minded. Life had improved no end with Cyan, despite his noisy eating habits. He loved flying it with his dragon. But tonight, he was morose. Stopping in Montanera on the way here may have been a mistake. Cyan snorted. Your dragon? How many times do I have to tell you that a dragon isn't owned by a rider? In fact, it's the opposite. You're my rider. Yanir broke off a piece of sausage. True. However, riders befriend dragons, as I have done, and I always refer to my friends as mine. A throaty rumble emanated from his dragon's throat. You always have the last word, don't you? 
Despite his aching thigh muscles, Yanir couldn't help grinning. I try to, but with you, it's quite difficult. Of course, after all, dragons are of superior intellect, Cyan returned to his meal. Yanir took another bite of sausage, mind-melding with his dragon again. Are you referring to all dragons, or just you? A snort was his dragon's only answer. When we imprinted, I never realized my dragon would be so stubborn. Your dragon? I thought I'd cured you of that habit. Yanir chuckled. Got you. The stream babbled over smooth stones, winding among the towering trees. An owl flitted overhead, its wings a pale flash in the dark sky. It was nice to be away from the confines of Dragon's Hold and the endless duties pressing upon him. Yanir clambered off the rock and lay down on the grass, stretching out his lanky form, elbows out, hands clasped beneath his head and ankles crossed. The stars winked in the dark velvet sky. At least here I have a little peace. Indeed, his dragon muttered. His meal finished, Cyan plodded over and settled on his haunches beside Yanir. Pinpoints of light flitted among the rustling leaves. So it's true, Yanir waved his bread toward the trees. Spangles do exist. Cyan harumphed. I never said they didn't. But you said it was rare to see them. Of course it is. Seeing them depends entirely upon whether you have the gift, Cyan mind-melded. Yanir grinned. So you're saying I have the gift of seeing Spangles? Barely perceptible flickers of light danced among the foliage of the Strongwoods. Yanir was sure if he blinked, he'd miss them. A quick dip of his head was the only indication Cyan gave that Yanir was correct. Yanir pressed him. So you're telling me, out of all the potential riders you tried, not only did I manage to imprint with you, but I also have another gift that not many possess? He shook his head. How many more surprises were waiting? Every week, something new leaped out at him. So how is this gift useful? If you say so once more, I'll snort flame at you to teach you to use more rounded vocabulary. Yanir's eyebrows flew up. A rounded vocabulary? How is that going to help me as your rider? It would stop me from getting bored. His dragon ducked his head and preened his scales, no doubt to hide his dragonly smile. Well, we couldn't have you getting bored, could we? Yanir chuckled, and I thought my company was scintillating. Anyway, you were explaining Spangles? Spangles communicate with the creatures of the forest, from insects to birds, squirrels to wolves. They possess the ability to rally nature against danger. Can they communicate with dragon riders and dragons too, as well as the creatures of the forest? Cyan snorted and shook his regal head as if that question was too mundane to answer. Speaking of boring, that's about the tenth time you've snorted during this conversation. Surely you too could use more extensive vocabulary? This time, Cyan didn't snort. A low growl built in his throat and rumbled through his chest, vibrating through the earth under Yanir's sit bones. Yanir rose to his feet and flung his arms around his dragon's neck. You know I don't mean that. Riding with you is anything but boring. It's amazing. Thank you for imprinting with me. My life wouldn't be the same without you. He scratched his dragon's eye ridge. A deep, throaty purr emanated from Cyan's throat. Yanir reached under Cyan's chin rubbing against the grain of his scales. The purr built, rumbling through Cyan's chest. Yanir sighed. This was the life. Flying on dragonback, enjoying the glorious countryside of Dragon's Realm while bonded with an incredible companion. All too soon, there'd be other pressing duties, but for now, he could enjoy the peace and solitude among the trees under night's dusky cover. I'm looking forward to a decent sleep out here in the open. Although the caverns at Dragon's Hold were warm and snug in winter, he missed sleeping out under the stars. 
I'd love nothing more, Cyan answered. However, sleep will have to wait. The Blue Guards have flown south to look into that nasty business we heard about. They asked us to do a sweep over the village while they're gone. Yanir frowned. Are they expecting trouble? I thought Fieldhaven was a sleepy backwater. There was a murder there recently. A lad your age, knifed in the chest. That's no good. Shards, his life had barely begun. Imagine having it snuffed out that quickly. I've found that wherever more than a handful of people congregate, there's a potential for a conflagration. A what? It's a fancy word for a large fire, something I'm rather partial to. I told you dragons were of superior intellect. Vocabulary doesn't determine intellect. A throaty chuckle rumbled from Cyan's huge breast, his dark scales glinting in the moonlight. Yanir playfully slapped Cyan's foreleg. I guess we better get going then. The sooner we get back here to sleep, the better. He clambered upon Cyan's back and swung his long leg over the saddle, then fastened his harness. Over the past 18 moons, saddling up had become second nature. When he'd first arrived at Dragon's Hold, he'd had a nasty tumble from his saddle that sent him plummeting toward the jagged peak of Fire Crag, so using his harness had become instinctive. Thank the first egg, Cyan had saved him from being impaled on the jagged rocks hidden beneath the ice of the crag. He patted Cyan's long, sinuous neck. One of my more glorious moments. I couldn't let my new rider die, could I? Cyan turned his head, his sigh gusting across Yanir's cheek, blowing strands of hair across his neck. Yanir, I've told you you're special. What in the egg's name makes a pig farmer from Montanera special? You're humble, teachable, and have deep compassion for those around you. You have a sense of justice and fairness, and you're loyal. That never helped me back home, Yanir winced, remembering the taunting he'd endured. I also suspect it has something to do with your lineage. For the hundredth time, Yanir pondered that again. His grandfather had been a mage, and his grandmother a dragon rider. Does it really come down to blood? No, not just blood. I keep telling you that your personal qualities are why I chose you. Cyan nuzzled Yanir's shoulder, his golden eyes gleaming in the moonlight. Then, Cyan's mighty haunches tensed and he leapt, wings flapping. A familiar rush coursed through Yanir, and they were airborne, his blood thrumming in time to his dragon's wing beats. They shot above the trees into the night sky, his hair stirring in the breeze as they soared over the stream. Beyond the mighty Kurat River and over meadows, heading for the twinkling lanterns of Fieldhaven, leaving the dark expanse of Great Spanglewood Forest behind. Cyan approached Fieldhaven from the north and swooped over the town square. Yanir scanned the deserted cobbles below. Not a sign of unrest. His dragon's mighty wings swished over the still night air as they flew over alleys edged by neat rows of rooftops, many of the buildings several stories high. Everything's fine here, Yanir mind-melded, already wishing they were back at the clearing. This is the wealthier quarter. Cyan headed south, winging over the silent rooftops to an area where the houses were jammed together like goats making their way through a narrow mountain pass. The buildings in this part of town were shabbier, the alleys a twisting mass of seething snakes. Some of the shops leaned at angles, leering over the street like drunken thieves. Deserted lots filled with burned rubble interspersed the ramshackle buildings. Who had torched these buildings, and why? It seems not everyone's thriving in Fieldhaven. Now I see why the Blue Guards wanted us to patrol. This is the poorer quarter, Cyan answered. Most of the people are law-abiding, but there's an unruly element that sometimes strikes at night. Which is why the Blue Guards asked us to patrol, right? Exactly. The clash of steel reached Yanir's ears, then a muffled shout. 
There was a glint as metal speared through the air from a rooftop, angling down into an alley among scampering dark figures. Another arrow followed. An archer, Cyan. Beneath Yanir, Cyan's muscles tensed. His dragon furled a wing and swerved. There, Cyan, over those buildings to the left. Cyan swooped low, the metallic ring of blades slicing through the night. In the poor light from a lantern at the end of an alley, there was a splash of blonde hair, the flash of pale skin, and the glimmer of steel on steel. Thuds and muffled cries rang out. They swooped low over the twisting lane. A waif-thin lad scrambled across a crumbling rooftop, a bow and quiver slung over his back. Shall I snatch him up in my talons? Yanir shook his head. No, if he's running away, at least he won't be causing any more trouble tonight. With a bow on his back at this time of night, he's obviously up to no good. Cyan swooped, his wingtip knocking the boy flat onto the shingles. That'll teach him. Yanir unslung his bow from his back and knocked it with an arrow from his quiver. He leaned over Cyan's neck, peering into the alley. There were more than half a dozen people down there brawling, but in the gloom, it was hard to tell exactly what was going on. Cyan, light please. A rumble built in Cyan's throat. He opened his maw, belching flame. A backwash of heat rippled over Yanir, but at least now he could see clearly. Dragon! Scarper! A young burly woman yelled, Cyan's flame glimmering on the twin daggers she was brandishing. At her cry, the fighters glanced up. A brawny man snatched up a loose cobble and clobbered a woman on the back of the head. As she crumpled, he and the others dashed down lanes and alleys, disappearing into the shadows. That woman's injured! Yanir aimed an arrow after the thug, hoping to wound his leg, but the miscreant swerved and the arrow flew wide, clattering off the side of the building and falling to the cobbles. Cyan chased the thug, his gusts of flame shooting down between the narrow houses. Cyan, no, let's get back to the woman, she's hurt. With a flap of wings, Cyan ascended and spun in midair. He angled down toward the alley. I can't land, my wings are too broad. Yanir slung his bow in Cyan's saddlebag and pulled out a rope. He tied it to the strap of his saddle and undid his harness. Cyan, I'm going down. His hands flew to check his sword and daggers were fastened securely on his hips. Gripping the rope, Yanir launched himself over Cyan's side. The jolt of his weight on the rope yanked his shoulders in their sockets. Cyan rocked into the air, valiantly flapping to gain height. Yanir swung precariously close to the side of a building. He ducked, the copper guttering grazing his hair as Cyan swept him back up into the air. Quick, slide down the rope his dragon melted. Hands burning, Yanir shimmied down the rope and dropped into the alley. He rushed over to the woman sprawled on the ground, her face on the grubby street, and her limbs tangled like limp strands of rope. There's a square a few alleys over to the east. I'll meet you there. Just let me know when you're ready. Cyan flapped off over the rooftops, leaving Yanir alone with the unconscious woman. He knelt beside her, wincing at the blood on the stray cobble lying nearby. He gingerly turned her head, trying not to bump the bloody patch on her hair, and held his hand under her nose, still breathing, a good sign. The woman lay in a pool of moonlight. She was actually a girl, younger than he'd thought, with a dirt-smudged face. Yanir shook her shoulder, trying to rouse her, but she didn't wake. He quickly scanned her for further injuries. Her tunic and breeches were splattered in blood, but there was no sign that the blood was hers or that she'd sustained grievous injuries, apart from the nasty bump as broad as his palm on the back of her head. Were you prey to pickpockets, thieves, or worse, he muttered, shuddering. Perhaps those ruffians had tried to steal her virtue. Yanir glanced up, checking the shadows in the side alleys. He'd best be quick. If the thugs returned and he was caught traipsing around with a girl in his arms, he'd be at a distinct disadvantage. He scooped her up and stalked down the alley. 
her face nestled in his shirt so he didn't place any pressure on her head wound. The bump on her head's half the size of a dragon egg, Cyan. From the square, his dragon gave a mental snort. The last dragon egg I saw was as high as your chest, Cyan sent him mental directions, showing him the way to their rendezvous point. I was speaking figuratively, Yanir explained. I like the sound of that, much less boring than saying so repeatedly. What does it mean anyway? It must be a human thing. Yanir peered around a corner before he turned down the next alley, making sure the way was free of lurking criminals. He strode around the corner and walked at a rapid clip, careful not to jolt the girl. Speaking figuratively means I'm allowed to exaggerate whenever I want. That doesn't change much. You do that anyway. Cyan's scales gleamed in the torchlight as Yanir strode into the square, barely large enough to hold his dragon. Where are you going to take her? Back to Dragon's Hold? Dragon's Hold? Why? She lives here. We need new riders. She's been out fighting late at night, so she may have some skills. Yanir snorted. If she had skills, she wouldn't have been clobbered on the back of the head. Perhaps she was distracted by my fine scales and the beautiful plume of flame I used to illuminate those nefarious thugs. Nefarious? That's a big word, even for you. I'm impressed. Technically, because I've lived hundreds of years, you don't know many of the words I've never used before. Maybe I've been simplifying my vocabulary for a farmhand like you. Farmhand? I'm from Montanera, you know. It's the biggest city in Dragon's Realm, apart from Naobia, a thriving hive of industry and trade. So, Cyan drawled, deliberately teasing Ynir. Shall we bring her back to the meadow and nestle her under my wing? His dragon mind melded, shooting a shocking image into Yanir's head, him asleep with the girl snuggled in his arms and Cyan's onyx wings draped protectively over them. Warmth crept up Yanir's neck and face until the tips of his ears burned. For the first time, he paused under a flickering torch and really looked at her. Although her face was blackened, probably with ash, her skin underneath was as pale as an alabaster teacup. She had long, dark lashes. With her eyelids shut, it was impossible to tell what color her eyes were. Well, are you going to stand there all night staring at her? The image of him and the girl snuggling under Cyan's wing flew through Yanir's head again, making his cheeks glow. He'd never held a girl before. He'd been scorned by the local girls at home. Even though she was unconscious, it felt suddenly intimate with her ash-streaked face nestled against his breast. He cradled her, trying not to bump her head, and stalked away from Cyan down a broad street lined with trees, homes, and businesses, the dark windows staring at him like vacant eyes. At the far end of the street, a candle twinkled in a window. Yanir strode along the street and through a small garden to the house. He tapped the door with his boot. Cyan circled overhead. I was only teasing. You looked so worried with her cradled in your arms, I was trying to lighten your load. Yanir didn't answer. A gray-haired man in baker's garb opened the door and smiled. Good morning to you. His gaze fell to the girl in Yanir's arms. His face clouded. What are you doing with Anakisha? Is she hurt? So you know her? She was attacked in an alley. Where should I take her? She's the tavern master's daughter and lives at the Dancing Dragon on the main square. Wait a moment. The baker reached behind the door and donned a white cloth hat. I'm heading to the bakery early to put a batch of bread on and prepare some special pastries. With people flocking here for the tournament, the town keeps running out. I'll show you the way. He closed the door and strode down the street at Yanir's side. Thank you. Yanir's arms were beginning to ache. The girl wasn't heavy, but he had been holding her for a while. I could take her in my talons, Cyan said. Was his dragon trying to be funny again, or did he really think he could carry an unconscious and wounded person like a haunch of dead goat? The baker waved a hand at Cyan, a dark shadow flitting overhead. From Dragon's Hold, are you? I don't recognize your mount. 
Your mount, Cyan roared above. I've a good mind to roast him. A spurt of flame lit up the street. You don't need him. I'll show you the way to the square. Turn left now. Um, I know a shortcut to the square, Yanir said. Thanks for your help. He rushed off before the baker could object or Cyan could torch the man. Yanir made his way across the deserted square, his footsteps echoing and arms weary toward the cheery sign hanging above the dancing dragon's dark wooden door. I'm here if you need me. The soft thud of Cyan's landing was always reassuring. I'll only be a moment. The sooner I'm done here, the better, he said to his dragon. With his arms full, he was unable to knock on the door, so he kicked it with his boot, making a dull thud, and then stood back watching the windows of the dancing dragon for a glimmer of life. Directly over the door, a window was partially open, flimsy curtains dancing in the breeze. No doubt the girl had sneaked out that way. He gazed at the narrow ledge she must have negotiated, no mean feat. A lantern spluttered to life behind the heavily drawn curtains on the tavern window, and a dark figure made its way toward the door. Who is it? A deep male voice asked. I have your daughter, Anakisha, Yanir called softly, not wanting to wake the neighbors. The door flew open. An older man held up a lantern. His face creased with worry. Light pooled over his daughter's smudged face nestled against Yanir's breast. Her blood gleamed darkly on his jerkin sleeve. She's been attacked and knocked out. The man's eyes swooped over Yanir's rider's garb. He held the lantern higher, making Yanir squint. You're not a blue guard. Who are you? He asked gruffly, opening the door wide and ushering him inside. Yanir strode across the stoop into a large tap room filled with orderly rows of dark, polished tables. The man gestured to a corner to the left of the bar that ran across the back wall. Please, bring her upstairs. There's no point in me taking her from you when you're doing the job so well. He bustled off, leading the way up the wide stairs, his lantern casting flickering shadows over the walls of the stairwell. Yanir ascended the stairs and lifted his feet over the edges of the red and blue rugs in the hallway on the next story. The last thing he wanted was to trip over and sprawl on the polished wooden floors and knock the girl's head again. Sure enough, the man paused outside the room at the end of the hallway facing the square. I've told her not to sneak out, not to fight. The girl's father shook his head. But when I saw the bruises on her little sister's face, I thought she'd go. I meant to check in on her tonight and talk some sense into her, but we were so busy in the tavern and I was so tired at the end of the night I dozed off. Yanir nodded. So Anakisha had gone out to fight and defend her sister, and it wasn't the first time. His arms were about to drop off. If only her father would open the door. The man fumbled and opened the bedroom. As Yanir had thought, it was the room he'd spied from outside. The curtains fluttered in the breeze, and a sash window had been pushed up just far enough for the girl, now growing heavy in his arms, to slip out. A young girl with a blonde braid was fast asleep in a bed by the far wall. The tavern master set his lantern on the bedside table by the other bed and pulled back the rumpled quilt. One finger on his lips, he gestured at the bed. The moment Yanir laid the girl on the bed, he missed the warmth of her against his chest. She moaned as her head touched the pillow. Yanir gently turned her face toward the wall and lifted her hair to show her father the gash and swelling on the back of her head. In the flickering light, beneath the dirt, the girl's face was almost as pale as the snowy bedsheets. That's a nasty gash. Do you mind watching her while I fetch some warm water to cleanse her wound? The tavern master whispered. Without waiting for an answer, he rushed from the room, leaving Yanir alone with the two girls. The moment Anakisha's father was gone, the young girl sat up. Who are you? What's wrong with Anakisha? Her braid was mussed and her blue eyes were wide. A mottled bruise marred her cheek. Anger burned through Yanir's belly. He didn't blame Anakisha for sticking up for her sweet sister. She has a bump on her head. 
The littling dashed out of bed across the room to her sister's bedside. Her bottom lip wobbled and her eyes grew even wider as she took in the droplets of blood seeping into her sister's pillow. Your pa and I will take care of her. What was he saying? He didn't even know this girl, but something about the littling's bruise, their stoic paw, and the girl he'd carried here tugged at him and made him want to hunt down those thugs and teach them a lesson. I hope so. Tears welled in the littling's eyes. I don't want to lose her, too. The anguish on the girl's face made Yanir suspect that it wasn't just Anakisha the littling was thinking of. His chest grew tight. He squeezed the young girl's hand. Your pa and I will make sure you don't, he reassured her. Will she be all right? He didn't know, but Yanir nodded. No point in worrying the girl. He mustered a bright smile. She should be fine in a couple of days. Anakisha was pretty, all creamy skin, long dark lashes, and a wild mane of chestnut hair that glimmered with red highlights in the light of the lantern. Would she remember him? How could she? She was unconscious. Anyway, it didn't matter. He was being sentimental again. Your sentimentality is one of the reasons I chose you, Cyan interrupted his thoughts. You're fair and not hard-hearted. Yanir's cheeks heated. He hadn't realized Cyan was listening. I couldn't help it, the onyx dragon replied. When you're highly emotive, you tend to shout in my head. I have to practice not doing that. Indeed. Are you done yet? I've swooped over the village and everything seems quiet. We could retire now. I won't be long. I'm Stella, the young girl whispered. It's my fault she's hurt. I heard what Pa said. She wanted to pay Spike back for what he did to me. Who's Spike? One of the howlers, Stella answered, eyes full of fear. Pa's coming. I better get back to bed. She scampered across the room, jumped under the covers, and closed her eyes. Anakisha's father came in with a basin of water and some cloths. He bent over Anakisha's bed, parted her hair, and swabbed the wound. Uh, do you mind helping me? I've never been good at the sight of blood. He looked green about the gills. Yanira took the cloth from him and dipped it in the water. Why don't you get some fresh air while I clean this up? He gestured at the window, then set about cleansing the dirt from the wound and sponging the blood from Anakisha's hair. It's too dark to see much, but I think I got most of it. Thank you. Anakisha's father strode over and shook Yanir's hand. Would you like to stay the night? The least I can do is offer you lodgings. I assume you're here for the tournament? Unfortunately, he was. I would love to, but I'm spending the night with my dragon. Yanir quickly mind-melded with Cyan. Cyan, you're still in the square waiting, aren't you? No answer. If Cyan wasn't there, it'd be dawn before he'd finished the long, cold trek out to the edge of the forest. Cyan? I'm here. Why didn't you answer? Yanir asked. I was asleep, his dragon replied, drowsy images flitting through Yanir's head. Are you sure you wouldn't rather stay here? The man pressed. Yanir smiled at Anakisha's father. Nothing would afford me greater pleasure, but I can't disappoint my dragon. The man nodded. Maybe another night, then. Yanir couldn't risk offending anyone here. After all, it was apparently his duty to get along with everyone. When he'd met Cyan, he'd never dreamed that he'd have such large shoes to fill. But then again, how could a bumbling pig herdsman have known anything about the duties a dragon's hold? You close the book, Anakisha's Dragon, by Eileen Mueller, and bring it back to the shelf, sliding it right back where you found it. The shopkeeper tips their cap to you as you head out, and as the door chimes shut behind you, you look back to the wooden sign hanging above the door from Iron Metalwork. It reads, Fictional Bookshop. This has been Fictional Bookshop, a podcast by Liz Delton. For more about Liz, visit LizDelton.com. 
Anakish's Dragon by Eileen Mueller. Book one in the Riders of Fire Dragon Master series. Read with permission from the author. For more about Eileen Mueller, visit EileenMuellerAuthor.com. For more visits to the fictional bookshop, give us a follow and come back anytime to explore a new book.